If you're a dog owner, safety and welfare for your pet are of the utmost concern. But there are so many so-called experts out there that many of us don't know where to turn to get the expert advice that we need. Welcome to Taming the Wild in Your Dog with noted dog expert and author Brian Bailey. In this program, we give you the tips you need to connect with your best friend with the most practical advice. Now, here's your host, Brian Bailey. Welcome everyone to Taming the Wild and Your Dog in a new year. We are back and we are ready to go. And today we are going to be talking about the absolute absolute bane of puppyhood housebreaking i'm telling you those little creatures are they're so cute every you know we got a couple of puppies <clears> in for training right now and they are the cutest little things you've ever laid your eyes on thank god they're cute they or else they'd be dead <laughs> yeah you want to kill them <laughs> because i'm telling you when you step barefooted like i've had more than a few times in my life on a fresh little pile in your house when that little thing starts using your house as a toilet they're just not so cute they lose a little bit of those points in that cute factory there. Uh, so today we're going to talk about housebreaking because uh, like a lot of things in training, it's um, a lot of misinformation about it, uh, a lot of shortcuts taken out there, and just a lot of bad training, a lot of bad training advice. So today is all about housebreaking. And if your new year resolution is to get your dog house broken, let's get busy because I'm going to tell you one thing right now. I hope that you sure do have a lot of patience. Uh, I did a little video live here a little while ago, a couple hours ago, and I talked about how sometimes I talk to people and they say, Brian, what are you talking about? House breaking is a piece of cake. Every dog I've owned only took me a couple of days and they got it. It was a real cinch. And I, I can't help but look at them with total disdain. Yeah, get out of town. Yeah, go, go away from me because I, I haven't had it like that. Uh, it has never been easy. It never took only three days. It's always been a pain in the rear end, and that pun is indeed intended. It's just difficult, and I really hate when I see, and that's the vast majority. Again, I do have a couple of people say it was really easy for them, but the vast majority of people are saying, wow, what am I doing wrong? My dog's a year and a half old, and I still have accidents in the house. What is going on here? So I want to go, go over about what we call 10 steps, 10 vital steps that you need to do if you want to get this housebreaking thing done right. And know this, it's 10 steps, not 10 days. Anyone who says they can housebreak a puppy in 10 days, I'm telling you what, you need to be doing that for a living and you will have a very good living. Everyone will come and pay you. I've not ever been able to get it done in 10 days. I'm sometimes happy with my own personal dogs. Honestly, I'm really happy if it's done in 10 weeks, let alone 10 days. So it can, it can take a while. It's even taken a few more than a, two or three months uh, for, for many of these dogs to really become what I call reliably housebroken. But until then, get ready. Like in the military, we used to just say, if you own a puppy, you know, if you, if you got to go through something tough, adopt this attitude. Smile, cooperate, and graduate. And you have got to apply that motto every day. Just smile at your puppy, cooperate, and graduate, and you're going to get through to it. All right. What's the first mistake? Josh, what's one of the first mistakes that people typically make when they, they do housebreaking with their puppy? The biggest one that I run into is they reward the dog for potting outside. Yes, that is a big one. And so many people think that's what you're supposed to do. They've but been told that's what they're supposed to do. So Yes. Uh, every behavior out there, every behavior we ever talked about, will ever talk about, 
you have to apply a cost versus benefit analysis to it. And there's no exception with housebreaking. If you take your dog out and it has not learned which environment is safe to go potty in and which environment is dangerous to go potty in, in that process of teaching that, if there's a benefit applied to going potty outside the house, outside of actually relieving yourself, then you're going to create a bit of a problem because here's why. Step number one, when you train your dog for housebreaking, keep in mind, it's a dog. It's not a child, not a toddler. It is a dog. Now, that does place it in the mammalian class, but and there are some similarities between the humans, but let me tell you a few things about dogs that are different than humans. One is they have the ability to hold it at periods uh, or lengths of time far greater than your average human being can do. Uh, this is because nature thinks that your dog is still a wolf and because your dog is still part wolf, uh, wolves use their urine and their scat for many purposes. Everything from delineating territories, we call that raised leg urination, scent posting, for navigating, they will use uh, urine and drop it peri- uh, periodically along any sort of trail, along any journey to use that as a navigational olfactory beacon so they can find their way home. I guess you didn't know that. Dogs travel like wolves primarily through line of sight. I recognize that building. I recognize that tree. I recognize that valley. Uh, Your dog, same thing. You start to approach some place that enjoys going, like a dog park or a daycare. And next thing you know, a couple miles away, they start whining. They start moving around in the back of the seat because they can see where they are. But on occasion, when you're running after game, you're not paying a whole lot of attention to where you're going. And therefore, it's handy if you just happen to have left a breadcrumb trail in the form of urine leading you back to an area in which you do recognize where you are and you can find your way back to your pack. Um, And they also use it when they cache food. After a large kill, many times the older wolves, especially the mating pair, will carry the food in their stomach as a vessel back to the denning area, bury, do what's called controlled regurgitation, and regurgitate up to about five to 10 pounds at a time and bury it. Those are leftovers. And again, they'll go back and as as soon as they uncover that, they'll urinate or defecate in that hole so they don't go back later on, about a week later, two weeks later, and expend a whole lot of energy uncovering what they believe is food, but there is no food there. Nature equipped wolf's visibility. And there's just has not been enough evolution to change at least the thought process in your dog. Physical capabilities, a little bit different, but nevertheless, the instinct to hold it and use it is different than that of a human being. So you do have to just keep that in mind. Yeah. Us human beings are what I call one and doneers. We feel a little bit of discomfort in our bladder or, you know, we feel number two coming on and we just go get it done with. We alleviate everything we got. We don't, we don't use it in tools. I mean, other than the people who pee on themselves when they, when they get stung by a jellyfish, I don't know if that's a wives tale or what, if that was just a cruel <laughs> prank that went on, but, but we're one and done. So, and, and we, pers- we kind of project that onto our, our dogs. We took them out, they took a leak and, and now let's go back inside. We're done. And that's, that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, they're, you know, the older they become, the longer they can go and they can hold it. So the problem with using a treat is this. You take your puppy out. You say, go potty. And they do. 
and you give them this wonderful treat. And at that age, survival instinct is greater, greater than in anything that has to do with that survival is much greater than the toy, the bed and other things that you try to do with your dog. Food is at the top of that pyramid. So therefore, I go outside, I go potty, I turn, I get a treat. Well, of course, you do that more than a few times, a pattern sets in. And lo and behold, now, now I will take advantage of these good old physical properties that I have being a dog. I go outside, I go potty just a little bit because they always will have to go a little bit. I mean, if you, your, your body can only hold so much waste. And then they will relieve just a little bit because them versus you, they, they can let out about 10% and turn right around and walk right back into your house. And that happens to so many people. They tell the dog, go potty. They let out about 10% because they're waiting for that treat. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get that treat. I'm so excited about getting that treat. Just here, give me a second. I got to go for just a second. They don't get that a little bit better. Now give me that treat. But the owners, like you, Joshua, think one and done. They then take the dog back into the house. They get ready to go to work. And they walk back out into their living room or den because they think everything's going to be fine. I just took the dog out to go potty, so he's not going to go potty in my house. And sure enough, there it is. Number and, one complaint. That's almost the number one thing that I get complained is I, I take them out and then they just come back and they immediately go again. Oh, yeah. And then you hear this, oh, give me a break. I just took you out 10, right. ten minutes yeah. ago and, and here you're going again. You bet because now the treat is over. You're gone. And the pup goes, you know, I still got to go. <laughs> I, still, I still have to go. And, and they go. Why would they not go? Again, in my world where I come from as a dog or as a wolf, there's no bathrooms. There's no rest stops out here. You just go when you need to go and you go when you feel like you should go to use it as a tool. And that's exactly what happens. So don't use that treat. Don't train this dog like it's a human. It's a dog and it has certain capabilities. Also, don't start your training until the dog's at least eight and a half weeks of age. The brain still develops outside the womb. And Joshua is living proof of that. (laughs) Absolute living proof. It develops outside the womb. You're still learning. At eight and a half weeks, it's been proven that your average dog, now again, so that means some of them need a couple more weeks, some maybe a couple weeks less. But the average dog, the myelination of the brain, the developing process allows the dog at eight and a half weeks to recognize substrates, meaning its urine, its own defecation, and to start to inhibit relieving themselves in certain environments. In other words, they can put two and two together. Don't start your housebreaking if you pick up a puppy at six weeks of age. Yes, you can take it out. Yes, you can start to form habits. Simply don't correct it. Don't correct it if it goes potty in your house below those ages uh, of eight and a half weeks. They're just not old enough to put it together. And you can start to create all sorts of anxieties, fear issues, you name it. Live with it. Just live with it. It's going to go by quickly. Exactly. As a matter of fact, two and a half weeks, you'll be ready to go. Step two, don't use an all positive approach. Oh, you do have to correct. Again, I'm a dog. Why would I hold it? How Why would you even use an all positive approach anyway? I honestly don't know. That's, that's a good question. Well, I, it, it, this isn't technically an all positive, but I've always said, you know, the, the, the easiest way to house train your dog is simple. Never let it potty in the house. 
And I, I have a dog that was living proof of that for the first, I would say, year of its life. It was an all outside dog. It only ever peed on the grass. I never once had to correct that dog for peeing inside my home because it only ever wanted to pee on grass. So you could say that that's an all positive, but granted, sure. if you ever did try to pee on my, in my house, there wouldn't have been an all positive approach. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you can't. There has to be a reason. You know, and that's why, again, we go down this road, and I'm not going to go deep down this road where you talk about force-free. Mm. This is an animal. It's living with a human. You've already done force. You forced it from the wild. You forced it to live among humans. You've already broken your own rule. That means, heck, if you've already, you know, cracked the ice on it, you might as well just get going. There's a couple other forces that have to be done. Don't go in my house. We actually have rules here among humans. Don't go in my house. You, you're more than welcome to go out of my yard. Just don't go in my home. Or if you're doing pee pad training, go on the pad, only on the pad, nowhere else, not on my $10,000 Oriental rug or whatever. Don't use an all positive approach. So what does that mean? It means that when your pup starts to go potty in an undesirable location, you correct it. And what does a correction look like? or sound like, or feel like. It is that level of any of those that it, it interprets as a cost. It can be something as simple as, no, stop it, bad puppy. Um, it can be if it's on a long line, give a little tug on that long line. Not the tug such as, come to me when I call you. It's a tug as, don't do that. What do you think you're doing? It has to be something to make the animal go, oh, Oh, wait a minute. What just happened here? Or if you're Kira, you make everybody in the room flinch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because she does that ant thing. That's no, the teacher in no, me. No, that's it just the comes uh, out. A dog that was about to mark in our facility one time. And all of a sudden, I just hear, no, 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 no. <laughs> and everybody in the room ducked their heads like, oh, gosh, oh. Kira's coming after me now. Yeah, everyone, <laughs> everyone's running for cover. That's why I'm so well behaved. Uh, I, I have to live with that thing there. Uh, but that being said, you do need to correct your dog. Don't overdo it. Obey nature's rules. Use just enough, enough of something. You whether big your voice, whether it be a haptic signal, you name it. Something that in a way is connected with you and you're saying, no, don't go potty here. You've, you've just got to apply a bit of a cost. Now, talking about that, just a little tip here. Adopt this attitude. Wrong is good. How else will you learn? Because the objective is this for most people. It is dangerous to go in one environment, safe to go in the other. Outside for the majority of dog owners, but those living in high rises that do not have the uh, immediate availability of a yard or park to take their dogs to, then typically it's some sort of pee surface, you know, defecation surface, whether it be a pad or this new fake grass box Body that they patch. have, kind of like a dog litter box in yeah. a way, whatever it happens to be. The only way that thing's going to get done is if there's a reward type system for going outside, and that is only my own reward. Relief, relief without a cost. The benefit of now achieving relief, a bodily function without a cost involved. There's the benefit. It's already there. It's already built in. But if you don't, adopt the attitude of wrong is good, then you will blow many cases in which in many situations in which you will have the opportunity to correct the dog, teach the dog. It's dangerous in here. It's safe out there. 
So here's a, a here's an example of that. You see the dog circling on the floor and you're going, yeah, about to go potty. If they're by the back door or the front door, wherever you typically take your dog out to go potty, sure, open the door. Say, go potty. Thank you. Thank you. You're right by my door. But if you're dead smack in the middle of my house, oh, I'm going, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And then as soon as they start to go, no. Most people make the mistake of, oh, 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 puppy's about to go potty. Puppy's about to go potty. Go, 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 get it. Go get it. And they whisk it up and they rush it out the door. Now, what does the young pup learn from that? Okay, I, I feel like I have to go. And next thing you know, this furless biped yanked me up in the air and all of a sudden I'm outside. Again, it can, it, you can teach it that way. It's just going to take a whole lot longer. Like, like the example that you gave, Joshua, just a lot longer. A year. But if you add something to it, there's more incentive to learn. No, don't go potty. And now all of a sudden, wow, I noticed something. In here, they yelled at me. Out there, they don't yell at me. In here, they yell at me. Out there, they don't. And so on and so forth, day after day. Now they start to learn. Dangerous environment, safe environment. I think this would apply also to the people who insist on taking their puppies out every 30 minutes. So they don't ever get a chance to have to go potty. <laughs> they take them out all the time. Yeah. And, and, and that does two things. One, it, it, you don't have the ability to give feedback without input, without feedback, without mistakes happening. You're not going to have a lot of learning. How do you think that same pup would learn out in the wild? Through feedback, through biofeedback, through a, a environmental feedback, through social feedback. The world is always, always sending something to you. There's always something interacting with you in your environment. And part of cognition is you learning from your environment, processing it, and using it for adaptation to that environment. The young pup needs input. So you bet, if you just take them out every 30 minutes, you don't even give them a, an opportunity to make a mistake. And you also don't grow their abilities physically. And that requires some concentration. Again, the body of a wolf doesn't just automatically hold it. No, there's a thought process. No, I'm not going to go. I'm going to use it. And I'm going to go over here and use it to mark on that tree. And I'm going to mark on that tree over there. There's a conscious effort made to get that thing done. Okay. Now, if you are going to correct your dog, here's a big rule. Big rule. This applies to everything across the board. It doesn't just apply to housebreaking. Be quick. Be quick. Number two mistake made by far, by far, is the people who correct their dog greater than two to five seconds after the dog has already gone potty in the house. I cannot tell you how many times people say, well, Brian, okay, here's what happened. My dog knows better. It knows better. And here's how I know it knows better. Well, sure, tell me how. Well, when I come through my door after working all day, my dog is hiding underneath the coffee table, hiding underneath the bed. And sure enough, there it is laying right there on the floor. Big old pile waiting for me. It's nasty and there's urine. And he knows better because look at him, he's acting guilty. So what I do about that, Brian? Well, I get to play back the film a little bit, frame by frame. Here's what happened. Yeah, he came home one day. His dog had gone potty. So he read somewhere 
or heard from someone that you're supposed to, A, stick their nose in. Do me a favor, never do that. Or if you do, think about the next time they're licking you in the face because you think they're not going to leave that on their nose. They're going to clean that off of their nose. Don't ever do that. But anyway, so he does that and he punishes the puppy. All right. Now, this is about anywhere from, could be anywhere from 10 minutes to 10 hours after the fact. Uh, he comes home again. Now, when you come home, your dogs know you're home. They hear the keys in the door. They hear the door knob turn. They hear the garage door going up. They know you're there. So now all of that goes on. He walks in the door. Sure enough, the puppy's gone potty again. Oh, my gosh. How horrible. You bad puppy. Punishes the puppy again. Day three. The day that the dog's now hiding under the coffee table. He comes home. Sure enough, keys in the lock. Door knob turning. That's a precursor. That is a predictor of the event that's going to occur next, which is called punishment. In other words, a poor puppy doesn't even know, doesn't realize that it's the act of going potty is the cause and effect here, the punishment that now arrives. Instead, what he's learned is that you're arriving through that door is the predictor. That's when the punishment occurs. So, of course, it's a smart animal. Run, hide, get away from my owner. Guys, that's sad. And I've heard that way too many times. I hope I never hear that again. If you do not, these are young animals and they're, they live in a world in which you get instant feedback. The second you bite a porcupine, you get feedback. The, seven, the very second you step on a cactus, you get feedback. The very second you step on thin ice and you go through that little ice, you get feedback. Their world is about instant feedback. And that brain was adapted to be able to process instant feedback, not delayed feedback like ours. They can't associate rewards that are given them to years later to an event that just occurred now, and now years later, I get the reward. They can't pull that together. If you want your dog to know bad dog or good dog for going potty, you better apply the punishment or even the reward within about two seconds of the act. The closer you do those two together, the more likelihood the dog will associate this behavior with the subsequent punishment or the reward. So basically, you have to see them do it to Absolutely. give them a correction. Absolutely. Or there's been a few times where I felt it because I was standing there talking to someone and they were peeing on my feet. Um, Must so, mean they love you. Oh, yeah. So they're marking me. They, they said, you're mine. Brian's mine. Yeah, I'm going to mark him. Be consistent, guys. To be quick, to catch your dog within two seconds today, but then not tomorrow, and then maybe the next day, but then not the next day or maybe three times a day, but I missed two in the afternoon. What that teaches the animal very quickly, and this is another one that we get all the time, is it's not dangerous to go in this house. Remember, that's the whole goal here. There are safe environments. There's dangerous environments. It's not dangerous to go in the house. It's just dangerous to go in front of Brian. It's dangerous to go in front of Kira, especially Kira, when she makes that sound that she makes. And therefore, now all of a sudden, yeah, you have a dog who won't go potty in your kitchen, where you hang out all the time, or even in the family room. Oh, no, it slips off down the hallway to that guest bedroom that gets used maybe once a year, into that formal dining room that gets used maybe twice a year, and that's where it goes. Hey, they're smart. They're wicked smart animals. I'm not going to go in front of those furless bipeds. They yell at me. So now the animal hasn't learned anything about the environment. It's just a matter of what it's around when it goes. So be consistent, guy. So how can you be consistent? A couple of ways. You have gr two great tools. One, a long line. 
have some sort of line. Whenever we're raising puppies, Carrie, you even did a video on this. I did. And yep. uh, we'll, we'll make sure we put a link on that on our website or give you directions to that. It was a great video. And in video showed our puppy at that time. He was a puppy. That was Takani, our Siberian Husky. And when he was out of his kennel, he was either attached to a human or tied up near a human so that every time he went potty in our house, he got caught every single time. And when we could not watch him, because believe it or not, life does move on. Even if you have a puppy, you still have chores to do. You have work to do. He was put in his kennel. And dogs are naturally clean animals. They don't want to go in their kennel. They really don't. They will if they have to. You don't give them a choice. But if they have a choice, they really don't want to go in it. And the kennel is that passive trainer. So he'd go in his kennel, hang out in there. Then when we let him out, we watched him. And therefore, 100% of the time, every time he went in one environment, something bad happened. When he went potty in another environment outside, nothing bad happened to him. He was only able to relieve himself. So be consistent. Be alert. Don't let your puppy just wander through your house because they're just going to wander off and they're just going to go potty. And he was so easy to housebreak because we did that. Because we were so good about making sure we knew exactly where he was all the time. It didn't take as long. We had to be really dedicated for that shorter period of time, but it didn't like extend into months and months. Yeah. Well, how long do you think it took? I don't know. Do you remember back? That was a couple of almost two years ago. Three months, maybe? Yeah, about three months. Hear that out there, people? Three months. And that's when you're being really, really good about it. And (laughs) we were good. I am telling you, yeah, did it suck? It did. Uh, was it a pain to rear it? Yep, it was. I'm here to tell you that there's no magic here. I'm sorry. Okay, you, you think just because your dog trainer life comes easy for you? Oh no, it doesn't. And in fact, you hear the saying, "It's the painter's house that needs the painting." It was difficult. We watched him. We applied our due diligence, and we got it done. And he is completely and utterly thoroughly housebroken. That's also with the Connie, though. He's not too smart. No, he is not. I mean, we probably, with that same due diligence, would have gotten it done twice as fast. <laughs> yeah, probably so. But that being said, the next step, step six, be patient, people. Be patient. I promise you, okay, maybe you will luck out and you get the dog that takes three days. Yep, maybe you do. Good for you. The vast majority of you, no chance. Not even close. You need to start thinking long term. Three months, minimum. A lot of dogs, I, I'm telling you, it's three months. You may think they're housebroken. Oh, no, they're not. They're not. They're good. They're getting better. They're about 80% there possibly, but they're not all the way there. It takes time. You're dealing with a developing brain that can apply environmental changes with other environmental changes. This takes a lot. This is high math. They're not going to pick it up when they're so young. Would you say that seriously, they are close to a year old before they are reliably housebroken? Oh, absolutely. I mean, to a point to where you don't, even if you're gone for 10 hours, 12 mm-hmm. hours, they will do everything within their power to hold it. They, they are so habit driven, like you mentioned, Joshua, to going outside that they, they just don't want to go. And anyway, it, it, it grows beyond, it becomes habituated. It grows beyond the old cost versus benefit. Mm-hmm. They, you don't even have to worry about the punishment. It is, this is where I go. This is the only way I know how to go. What do I do? They actually start becoming very anxious. Their stress response is mobilized big time. Many studies have been done on this. Yeah, it becomes a deep-rooted 
habit. Like with Captain, if he has to go, he's going to be whining and whining and pacing and pacing. And we're like, oh, 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 he probably has to go. And yeah. sure enough, let yeah. him out. There he goes. Absolutely. They start acting agitated, mm-hmm. pacing, uh, you, you bet. Um, so step seven, you know, after you've been patient, be strong. There's so many times in which you want to give in, especially with the crate. You use the crate as your passive trainer. We've already had an episode where we talked about how dogs are not stressed in their kennels. They are initially, but within a few days even, few days even, they feel comfortable in there. There's been studies done on this. Putting your dog in a crate is not putting it in jail. Good Lord. If that's your thinking, get over it. It is not the case. Anyone who tells you that or makes you believe that, go away from them. Uh, Put them in a crate. The crate is not punishment. It is simply, in fact, they're just young animals. They need time to sleep. They need time to rest. They need time away from you and all of your expectations and all the signals that you send them. Give them a timeout, meaning away from you. Give yourself a timeout away from them. Use the crate as your passive trainer. But if you do hear them yelping in there in the middle of the night, start thinking, okay, be careful here. Be careful. No one wants to be cruel, but I do need you to understand this. They have instinct. Instinct drives them to do a behavior or the environment drives them to do a behavior. They do. Now they wait to get feedback. What does this action create? And if my screaming creates someone getting up and letting me out, well, I'm not going to just, I'm going to use that for every time I'm in here. Every time I even feel like I want to. Maybe I just want to get that ball that got left over there about 10 feet away from the door of this kennel. Maybe I just want to go outside and play for a little bit. Maybe I'm just, I'm kind of rested. I'm good. I'm ready to get up. What, what time is it? <laughs> I'm, ready to, I'm ready to go. It, be careful with that. So therefore me, I'm going to, I don't know why you're asking to get out, but I do know that you're in a very safe environment. There's no way you can really harm yourself in that kennel. Oh, I'm just going to put my earplugs in. I'm going to roll back over and go back to sleep. And if the animal does go in there, okay, guess what? I can bathe you. And I will bathe you and I will clean out that kennel. And I look for consistency. An animal who continues to soil the kennel for more than a few days. Now, you've got a problem. There's some sort of problem timing with your feeding, the water intake, or the dog itself. And now you start to worry about getting a UTI and all sorts of other issues. But to go a couple of days and get a little cause and effect and go, you know, when you go in these kennels, God dang it, man, you kind of got to scrunch up up here like a Belgian waffle trying to get away from it because it's back there in the back. I think I'm going to do a little bit better effort here of, of just not going. And also, if I stay quiet, guess what? They come and let me out. Again, we had an episode on that. Go back and listen to it. Uh, it was called Cry Wolf, and you'll learn all about that. All right, next one. We'll get to this here quickly here so we can move on to a couple of questions. Step eight, don't be a doorman. Oh, my gosh. How many people? That is, again, number one. Ring the bell. This is the number one issue that people have when they're talking to me about housebreaking. They say, my puppy or my dog will not let me know when they have to go. And I'm like, well, most of them don't unless you have those bells up. And a lot of times they don't even use the bells to tell you they have to go potty. They just want to go chase the leaves. Yeah. You know, this is people looking for the easy route, the path of least resistance. I want to binge on Netflix. I don't want to have to watch you. I don't want to do that. I want to pay attention to what I'm doing. I want to read my book. I don't want to know what you're doing. I just want you to let me know when you need to go potty. So again, it's just taking the easy route, the short 
route. But again, let me just pose this in front of you and you do what you wish. Cause and effect, baby. Here we go. I slap a bell. I scratch on the door. You let me out. Okay, I don't need to go potty. I just want it out. I just wanted to go outside. So how many people whose dogs are, you become the doorman. I'll go ring the bell and I'll let you out. And then here's, I've had even the opposite happen. Ring the bell. I let my dog out, Brian. Okay, what happened next? He came back in and went potty. (laughs) Yeah, what'd you expect? It was out there chasing a squirrel. I wasn't even thinking about going potty at that second. Wow, I was totally engaged in chasing that squirrel. But once the squirrel got away and I'm kind of like, it's hot out here. I want to go back inside where it's cool. Then they come back in. Be careful about making your dog uh, make you be a doorman. Me, I'm just going to train my dogs because sometimes, guess what? When they're older, I'm not home. Kind of like the old saying, you know, if a tree falls in a forest, is there a noise? Is there sound? Because it takes a sound and a medium and, you know, a receiver and sender and so on and so forth. And you can debate that all day long. Well, guess what? You're slapping the daylights out of those bells. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're like a boxer training for a new match, and there is no one to hear the bells. Now what happens? I just don't do it. Here, I'm going to be reasonable. I know what expectations are reasonable at any given age, and I'm going to just require you to hold it until I let you out. Kira, as you mentioned, Captain starts to whine uh, when he's got to go out. I always tell my clients, don't do the doorbell thing. Stay consistent at catching the dog in the act for going in the house. And then when they feel that discomfort on their bladder or whatever the case may be, it'll trigger a, a stressor. It'll trigger something that tells them, oh my gosh, last time I felt this, I went to the bathroom and I got in trouble. And that will cause a level of vocalization. It'll cause a level of pacing, um, something that it'll, it'll cause. And, and if you are, you know, a, a dog owner that's doing what you should be doing, you'll be watching the dog and you should be able to pick up on those signals that, that change. And, okay, now it's time to take my dog out. At a boy, when you start to act out like that, I'll take you outside to go to the, go to the bathroom. So with, with that being said, just being consistent at catching them in the house will cause those signals for the dog to alert you. And eventually the dog will figure out, ah, I started, I realized I, I uh, acted this way and owner or human came and got me and let me outside. So they start to acknowledge you and to let you know to go outside. So they, they figured things out. But the good thing about that rather than the bell is it is associated with the discomfort on their bladder, not associated with I get to go play outside. Right. That's the trigger. That's the, the main signal to the dog. Discomfort on my bladder, alert human. Not squirrel outside, alert human. Or leaves outside, ring bell. It's associated with the discomfort on bladder. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And, and you can't have that stress without acting out. You will start to act out. And I don't know about you, but I got dogs to interact with them, for them to be a part of my life. I didn't get them as a piece of furniture. I, I do pay attention to my dogs. Maybe enough they're out my peripheral vision, but there's an awareness, an awareness where you can tell something is amiss. Something's not quite right right now. If you guys got a dog that you just wanted to have it as a token because your boss likes dogs, you think if you get a dog, you get a raise or whatever, this isn't for you. No, dogs require interaction. They're hyper social animals and they move and they breathe and they require it and you should give some of that back. Uh, step nine, real quick, don't allow your dog to graze. So many reasons for that. Number one, they're predators. They really are. They still have the digestive system of a predator, a simple digestive system, which means when I consume food quickly, 
turn it into energy. And then once I pulled all the energy out of it, all the nutrients I need out of it, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Your stress response is mobilized. You're a wolf. You need to chase down an elk because you got starving cubs. Not a handy time to be carrying around a bunch of scat inside of your body and a bunch of urine. You're going to get rid of it. Um, it's just the way it is physically. When you allow your dog to graze, then that is energy coming in that has to be constantly going out. As a matter of fact, it takes approximately four to six hours for your pup to process canned food and up to about eight to 10 hours to process dry food. And when I say that, that's front end to back end. So do the math. We're looking at your clock. If it takes the analog type where you got the big hand and the little hand, take a look at it. Uh, when we were doing housebreaking with the Connie, we on purpose would feed him later in the evening because we knew this. We knew this. He had digestive problems. So he was getting this fresh food right off the bat. Literally, the kibble just did not work. And instead of feeding him at five o'clock in the evening, he was getting fed later in the evening because we knew, hey, if I eat it later in the evening, seven, eight o'clock, well, guess what? It's going to be about six to 10 hours before that needs to come out. Guys, you feed your dog at five o'clock, this 10-week-old puppy, expect, fully expect that that stressor that you talked about, that whining, that pacing is going to happen about 1 to 2 a.m. I have to. I have to go. I don't care if you're in bed. I have to go. So watch out for that. Don't allow your pup to graze. I recommend that you put the food bowl down. Give them about five to 10 minutes to eat. If they've not eaten it, take it away. You can offer up again later. Just watch your timing on it. Realize how fast it processes through the body. Do your timing on it. But do, trust me, your pup may walk away a few times, but then they'll realize when they come back and go, oh, excuse me, oh, where'd my bowl go? Holy moly, these bowls have legs. They actually run away. So opportunity presents itself. When that food bowl is down, I'm going to dive right into it. You're not getting away from me, by golly. I mean, we have to go through that with training here. Mm -hmm. Dogs come in for our board and train programs, and they've been grazers their whole lives. I can't let you graze all day long. I use treats in my training. We've got to, we got stuff to do. we got to be on the move here. We put that food bowl down. Oh, no, I'll eat it later. I'm just kind of into it. I'm watching these other dogs over here that I don't know. I get it. Thanks a lot. Guess what? You come back after your little training session, there's no bowl there. What does it take, Joshua, about a day and a half, two <laughs> days, and next thing you know, <laughs> oh, it's, it down. it's gone. It's gone. Guys, grazing does not allow you to control bowel movements in dogs. The more you control the input, the easier it is to manage the output. There you go. Again, you can set your watch by it. I kid you not. Set your watch by it. Unless there's some sort of GI issue, which a lot of puppies can get because they're picking up everything, not just their kibble. Hey, that mulch tastes good. That <laughs> stick tastes good. And who left oh, and, it? And they rubbed my nose and my poop earlier, and that kind of tasted good, too. So I uh, think I'll eat that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last rule, real quick. Keep a simple, stupid rule. Remember a young animal. So many times that, again, the dog owner, out of convenience for them, wants their puppy to only go potty in one section of their two-acre yard. Yep, ignore the other acre and three-quarters of grass and only go over here because over here would be the children's play set. Over here is where I entertain my company. Over here is where I have my flower bed. So you just ignore all of that and only go potty over here in this one little corner. Guys, that's a whole lot to ask of an adult dog, let alone a little bitty puppy. Now, you really want to undo everything that we've told you up to this point? 
punish your puppy for going in the wrong spot outside. That will undo everything in the blink of an eye. Imagine you're this puppy. Okay, I'm holding. I'm inside. I'm holding. I'm holding. Okay, great. The back door's open. I go outside. Oh, I'm on grass. Bad dog. Oh, my God. What are you talking about? <laughs> what? Is there a safe place to go? Is there any place on God's green earth that I can go potty? Yeah, guys, don't do that. Don't. And then also one other little thing I'll pass on to you. Keep this in your head. A little attracts, a lot repels. Remember I told you they're clean animals? Therefore, if you do want your dog to start going in a certain area, here's how you develop that over months. You take them to that area and you kind of force them to go potty there by not allowing them to go anywhere else. When they do, don't be a neat freak. Leave a little bit there. And you typically usually do anyway. It's hard to get, it's hard to get up everything. But leave a little bit there. That is the trigger. That is the chemical input into the brain that tells them, remember the substrates. I understand it. I, I now know where I go. This is what makes your dog want to go potty. No different than you see a male dog that urinates right where another male dog just urinated. It's what function, what triggers the brain to relieve myself. However, here's the problem. You're the opposite of a neat freak. You never clean that spot. Oh, I'm not going potty over there anymore. That is a big mess. No way, no how. So don't clean it all up. Leave a little bit, a little bit of tracks, a whole lot repels. And guys, take your time with that. But be very careful about creating inside is a dangerous place to go. And so is most of outside. Now, in the beginning, if you're outside my door, you just went out my back door. You, if there is no roof over your head, it is fair game. And you can start to dial it back from there over time. You really can. All right, guys, that's House Breaking 101. After that, it's just a matter of rolling up your sleeves and getting after it. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a little while. Be patient. Be persistent. Be consistent. Be swift. Don't use those treats outside. Hang in there. It will get done. It always has. Always will. All right, uh, we're going to jump off here now and into and go ahead and start answering some questions. Yay. We have our first question from Lauren, who is actually a friend of ours. Thank you, Lauren, for sending this in. She has a new puppy and she says, I would love to have any advice on when my puppy is too young to be let outside since his shots aren't ready for him to go on walks and things like that. I think she was told not to let her puppy go outside. So she's using the puppy pad, but she says that she thinks that just makes the puppy want to pee on anything inside, rugs, you know, anything. Well, pee pad training is typically going to be a little bit more difficult than doing outside training for, for housebreaking. A couple thoughts on that. Number one, here's the concern that's probably uh, being voiced. Young puppies, they're not born completely protected against all of the danger of contracting diseases uh, that are out there. Coccidia lives out there. Parvo, it can definitely live out there, out there on the surfaces, out there on the grass. However, it's a matter of just simply controlling the environment. Case in point, I would not take a young puppy who has not had all of his vaccinations to a dog park. And it's not, a, you know, again, yeah, you wouldn't want to do that anyway. You'd probably get killed by another dog. I worry more about what is in that dog park, what got carried in there. 
your dog has not been afforded the protection that the vaccinations do. So until your dog is vaccinated, if you live in an apartment complex, you're going to have to be very careful about where you take your dog. Because again, you have no control of all the other dogs that come to that area. Case in point here, we have a puppy imprinting program. They have to have two uh, series of their vaccinations. But even then, they are not allowed to go potty on any of our surrounding grass, only in a very contained uh, fenced-in grassy area that no dog is allowed to go potty on no dog unless it's one of those little puppies. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in the middle of the night, while we're closed, you could have a dog walk up carrying parvovirus. That is the concern. You really want to, you do truly want to be very careful about where you take your dog to go potty if you have your own fenced-in yard in which no a- other animal can trespass onto that. You can let it outside. But short of that, be careful if you live in an apartment complex. It is very difficult. I understand that. Try to get those vaccines into your dog. And by the way, most dogs, if you get them when they're about 10 weeks of age from the breeder, 9, 10 weeks, most of them have had at least two series of vaccines in them by then because they usually start them at about six weeks of age. But that's the, the biggest thing. Um, if you have to do the pee pad because you got the dog early in life, it had not had the vaccinations, and you are going to try that route there, you can transfer it outside. You can simply take the uh, object or the pad that's been going potty on and take it outside and you can start to make the pad smaller and smaller. So in other words, you just learn to get a pair of scissors and you cut it in half and then you cut it into a quarter. And next thing you know, the darn thing's missing it anyway and it's gone. It only takes about three or four days to uh, teach a dog that's been used to going on a pee pad to go potty on the ground. You just simply just got to make the pad disappear slowly. The biggest concern to me would be, yeah, if you live in a very populated area with lots and lots and lots of dogs, and lots of dogs running around loose, uh, that uh, there are stray dogs. Most dog owners have their dogs vaccinated, so there's not a concern. But it's the stray dogs. It's those stray dogs or the unvaccinated dogs that is the concern. So I hope that helps, Lauren. Love you too. Glad you, you sent that in. Okay. Trudy wants to know about vocalization. She says she has the whiniest dog ever. He's vocal about everything. Is there a way to control him from being a huge crybaby? Duct tape. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not thinking so. (laughs) Just teasing there. Okay. Oh, first things first. Okay. You know me. I try to break all behavior down to a periodic table. When I hear whine, 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 whine about this, whine about that, whine about everything that you can imagine. I'm looking beyond, I've learned that my mouth controls humans. You hit it right on the head, Joshua, a while ago. When the stress response is mobilized, it creates action. It forces action. I'm concerned about anxiety. Anxiety, the shifting of sand beneath your feet. It causes hypervigilance. The animal spends more of its time in the arousal column, basically three emotional states for your dog, calm, aroused, reactive, panic. You know, those, are the, those two are together. Uh, so a green zone, a yellow zone, and a red zone. Dogs who are very vocal, in my experience, have over time shown to have elevated levels of anxiety. It's almost as though they're saying, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, hey you, uh, can I use a, little, I could use a little social support over here? And I could use this. Granted, yes, they whine, they got feedback. 
And the feedback was something that told them, well, if you ever get in this situation, whine again. But outside of that, dogs aren't typically whiners. They may bark, they may growl, but they don't whine all the time. That goes against every grain, every atom, every neural anatomical decision that nature made. I'm a silent creature. I don't have language. It's why I use so much body English. It's why I learn with my eyes first, touch second. Auditory is number four. Olfactory even comes before it. I'm worried about anxiety. And then if there was anxiety in this animal, it created a habit. And habits form very easily. You simply have currents that enter through the dog's brain through sensory nerve roots. And these are then sent to the cortex. And the cortex processes the information. But see, once a current is in, it has to go out. You can't just stay in here and hang out inside my head. It has to go out. And it goes out usually in the form of behaviors and all sorts of other things. So currents once in must find a way out. And when they do, they leave traces of the path that they take. And the only thing they can do is either to deepen the path, deepen it, go over and over that path again, or create new ones. Now, which one do you think they want to do? The path of least resistance. We talked about that before the show, Joshua, how you walk out into the woods. There's no trail. Bunch of thorns, everything. Oh, but I see what looks like might be a trail. That's the, that's the path you take. Not through the thorns, right along that trail. And if everyone makes that same decision, well, you for sure have a trail now. I am worried about anxiety. Yes, you can teach commands called quiet. Absolutely. But the biggest issue here is that if you don't address the anxiety, then you're putting a Band-Aid on a flooding dike. This has all the wrappings of abnormal, elevated levels of anxiety. It, nowhere in this question does it mention the dog's age, but she does refer to it as a dog and not a puppy. But I will say that, you know, we've gotten quite a few puppies in that are really, really vocal dogs. Um, and it seems as though that at an early time in their life, they've learned that vocalizing gets a response in which that they desire. So, you know, we've had extreme, even some of our more extreme cases, young, you know, four month old German shepherds come in here and you even just grab the collar around their neck, not even in like a disciplinary type of way, just just grabbing the collar, they start screaming and yelling and, and fighting and things like that. And just through the consistency of, of saying that that doesn't work, all of a sudden their vocalization decreases significantly, um, significantly. So, you know, if this is a learned behavior, then, then sometimes just teaching them that it doesn't work for them will clarify it. But if that doesn't seem to work, then, then we may be dealing with yeah, something you, you definitely can teach quiet or whatever. Uh, you can force the dog to be quiet. You can let them learn through their own self-discovery that through cause and effect. I whine and guess what? There was no benefit. There was only a cost. I whine, there was no benefit, only a cost. Smart animals. Humans are the only creatures we know that continue to do behaviors in which there's no benefit. There's only cost, not dogs. So outside of that, if I don't just even achieve any benefit whatsoever, whether you even apply a cost, there's just no benefit. I don't get anything from it. Well, you can take this to the bank all day long. They will stop that behavior. Mm -hmm. But again, like Joshua said, once you've tried that, you've tried that over and over again, and yet you still have the whiniest dog in the world. I'm telling you, if I was a wagering man right now, oh, I'm putting a lot of money 
that I have an animal that has developed a high level of anxiety and I have hypervigilance, I have a huge arousal column. Yes, this needs to be addressed. This definitely needs to be addressed. L- at least look at that route first. Get, the, get rid of that. Make that go away. Because if you don't, if you don't do that, nothing, it, you will reach a level, a threshold in this dog in which training, it's immune to training, immune to that kind of input. I have a quick follow-up question for you, Brian. So in the, in the hypothetical situation that this dog was young when this started, it started vocalizing, as she lists here, it whines for everything. Right now it's pacing around whining because the other dog is inside laying on the floor, whines when it wants to get into the bathroom. Could these low, low levels, level forms of anxiety be encouraged if the dog is just showing a low level of, of anxiety, wants to get into the bathroom and they let it into the bathroom. And then over time, that level of anxiety just builds and builds and builds and builds because it's stress response was rewarded. Absolutely. And not only that, but animals learn to be afraid. Mm-hmm. This It's learned. You learn how to do stuff. Think about yourself. You can talk yourself into something. You can talk yourself out of something. And if you do, and it just happens to coincide with a, maybe a coincidence or something in which it worked out in your favor, then yeah, you remember that and you do it. Animals learn. Uh, the, the issue that I run into is many times that whiny did exactly that. I got led into the bathroom or whatever. I don't know why we're on that example. Maybe it's the housebreaking. Yeah. But either way, I, I achieved my objective. My, my end goal was achieved because I whined and I caused this thing to happen. Remember my habit. It starts to become a habit. Even when I don't want in the bathroom, if I see you go in, I whine. It becomes a habit. And then when you decide, okay, excuse me, no, no more. I'm not going to allow this any longer. You're trying to correct the habit, to deactivate the habit, can cause now more stress, which then causes more anxiety, which then causes all sorts of neuroanatomical problems, Yes, is you're not just re- you're not just reinforcing the behavior, but you're also reinforcing the state of mind. Yeah, yeah, everything. So again, th- this really needs to be addressed. And um, reach out to me. You know, the the person who wrote this question. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I missed the name. Um, sorry, Trudy. 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 Reach out to me because I need to address this. This is something that needs to be addressed big time. Okay, guys, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, we've come to the end of our show. Dang, we didn't. I know we had two more questions. It, gosh, I, I swear, one of these days I'm going to correct that. I'm going to get to that point. Housebreaking took a little bit longer than what I thought it was going to take. But it's again, important. I wanted, I'm going to be thorough on it because it's very important yes. to people. If their dogs keep potting in their house, they're not going to keep the dog any mm-hmm. longer. And I want to get that thing done. But guys, next week, we're going to continue on this series here about puppies. And we're going to talk about biological developmental periods in their lives. Hey, guess what? Just like a two-year-old, we don't teach calculus to them. Same thing with our puppies. Before you get out there and you got this new puppy, you're going to start training it. Let me let you know what it can learn at any given age. And then now you're free to do it. All right. See you guys next week. Have a great week. And let's learn a whole lot about the different ages that puppies are capable of learning things. Sounds good. All right, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join host Brian Bailey again for another edition of Taming the Wild and Your Dog next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Your dog's welfare and your life may depend on it.